Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best ice cream? Top gaming consoles? Best TV dinners? A lot of food there. Nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when they think they are right. I'm your host, Zachary Rancourt, and with me as always is... Tom Lockhart. Hi, Tom. How are you? It's been a couple weeks. I'm doing good. I had a weird day today where I went to the dentist, so it was bad. And then I made $5,000 on the stock market, so it was good. So it was a weird day. Did you sell it? AMC, I'm assuming. I sure did sell it. (laughs) So beers are on you, apparently. Yeah, I'll buy some beers for some people. About uh, a thousand or so beers. (laughs) Well, I just read a tweet today that Anheuser-Busch said that they will purchase. Everyone gets a free beer if we can meet the 70% vaccination rate that Biden has uh, set us for a goal by July 4th. So if you want a delicious Bud Light, get vaccinated, assholes, or just get vaccinated because it's the right thing to do. (laughs) Um, And then we have a special guest on today's episode. I am so excited. This is the man, the myth, the long-haired, beautiful long-haired legend, Eric Shane. Why, hello there. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, welcome, I, welcome, welcome. It's so great yeah. to hear your voice. Yeah, thanks. You, you too. And, you know, I, I too made a little bit of uh, money on this stonk market. Uh, you know, apes stonk together. Not mm-hmm. as much as uh, not as much as Tom, but, you know, <laughs> about a, a tenth of what you did there. And I felt pretty good about it, frankly. I'm, I'm happy with it. Interesting. Yeah, I um I, I don't have my ear to the ground enough to do stocks. And at this point, I'm a little too afraid to start doing it. So that's that's OK. <laughs> you, you should be. I've been holding that AMC for like seven, eight months now. Thing is, I didn't want to sell it because I kind of love the idea of just holding it forever and just holding it and holding it and holding it and just forget the memes and just let it just let her go. Because I hey, look, I mean, I know it's not what we're talking about movies today, right? Right. We're going to yeah. talk a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. So listen. The thing, people are going back to the theater, okay? We're going to have new lineups of movies coming out now that they can actually make the darn things. You got new Marvel movies coming out. It, of course it's going to go up. I mean, the yeah. company, whatever you think of it, just by that alone, the stock's going to go up. So buy low, sell high. That's the basic gist of it. And if you just own a company you appreciate, if you like going to the AMC theaters, then, you know, throw a little cash that way. Why not? There you go. Yeah. Wiser words have never been spoken. Well, they probably have. I'm not an expert. <laughs> this this financial advice was brought to you by a moron. Don't take my advice. But anyway. And viewers like you. <laughs> 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 well, um, guys, uh, you know, why so serious? And uh, your soul is mine. And no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Well, these are the famous last words of some of the most dubious and diabolical movie villains of all time. Whether it is animated, sci-fi, action, Horror or drama. I'll just put that in there, too. Uh, Mm. Villains are found in numerous films. So naturally, it will be hard to narrow it down to just five. Today, we are discussing our top five movie villains. To enhance discussion, we didn't share our list with each other. And by no means are we experts or historians in said category, despite the fact that I have a movie podcast. We are just a few (laughs) dudes who like to talk about nonsense. So, uh, Thomas, you want to get us uh, started? Get the ball rolling? Yes, and I'm going to start with a nice layup here. Um, you already quoted it in your opening there, and that is the Joker. Uh huh. Okay. And this is the Joker pretty much over. There's two great Jokers, and there's one eh, Joker that was not as good as the other ones. But Jack Nicholson 
and Heath Ledger are both amazing. And I've actually started to lean towards Jack Nicholson being the better Joker. Um, I like a little bit sillier of a Joker. I like a guy who lives up to his name of just joking around and also murdering people. You know, I like the, I, I like the black and white there. Just we're here to have a good time. And that guy's dead with a grin on his face. Whoa. Um, he, I mean, that's how people die. Happy. Yeah, why, 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 why so serious over there? Why the so serious? Yeah. So I would say the Joker is actually probably my favorite character amongst all media. He was on my top video game character list because Mark Hamill is another great Joker. I was going to mention um, yeah. So Joker is just all around. That's easy. I just, I'm not good at basketball, but I can make that shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great layup. I mean, I mean, just to riff on that real quick. I mean, I watched the animated series, the Batman animated series when I was a kid, came home from school. I'm sure you guys did too. Cause we're all right around mm-hmm. the same age. Right. I mean, it was like yep. it was th- three o'clock every afternoon is when it came on Mark Hamill. I mean, you're talking about Luke Skywalker. Come on. You know, he was just, that's my Joker. To me, that's Joker, right? So, but I get what you're saying from from the movie standpoint. I mean, yeah, I could. Joker's iconic. He you can't go wrong with that. So yeah, that's that's a layup. Yeah, I agree. Easy. And I I specifically remember you know Tom dressing up as the Joker for a Halloween party that I threw, and he was just Tom is just enamored by crazy clowns. So uh, it's yeah. I love crazy clowns. John Wayne Gacy, great. Whoa. Whoa, bro. <laughs> wow. 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 That, wow. I said that for the shock value. He's clearly not in my top five. Oof. Oh. Jeez. Okay. Well, moving moving right along. Eric, what about you? What's, what's your choice? Well, I wanted to kind of pick a, a sort of, I want to go with a little bit of a theme for my list here because I, I didn't want to go with uh, the traditional sort of like over the top hardcore badasses, Darth Vader or anything like that. I kind of wanted to go with somewhat of a, more relatable lists, even if it's just identifiable, like within your own life. So, but I have to start. I have to, I have to, because my wife would never forgive me if I didn't, I have to start with a Disney villain. <laughs> I have Ooh. to, of course. I just, I just, listen, I have a, I have a, I have a brand. I have a aesthetic that I go with and I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, I thought about scar cause he's just iconic. I thought about, Jafar from Aladdin. I thought about Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. They're all kind of that same trope, though. They're that second fiddle who's trying to usurp power. So that's a good well to draw from. That never That's never going to go dry, but it's not really super relatable. They're classic, but I actually am going to go here with my first one of Judge Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the I cats. <laughs> What's his name? Judge what? I've seen that movie once. <laughs> Judge Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Frollo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it, and it's it's a strange story and it's based off of a novel, so it's you know it's a little different. But he is a political hard ass and a religious zealot. Okay, and he uses his authority. Uh, he wields it absolutely, and he's one of those ends justifies the means kind of guy, and just like in the opening song of it of he he longed to purge the world of vice and sin and he saw corruption everywhere except with him right this is a guy who's as a villain you see aspects of this throughout our history but you see some of that today even and that's part of what makes him so 
cringy and awful and terrifying at the same time because it's like there's a certain realism to him that you you can't help but identify with a little bit and that's why he makes such a great villain he's one of the more since i started with disney who's you know kids movies he of all of them he he's one of the more complex and darker of all of them so that's Hmm. why i wanted to start with him yeah i dig that i was not expecting that choice I was oh. expecting, uh, oh, Frollo is how you spell it. I was expecting Scar, but as soon as you're like, it's not Scar, I'm like, wow, then I don't know. <laughs> oh, even though, even though the Lion King is just like Hamlet, basically retold sure. in a Disney Ham- movie. Ham- but, Ham- much, yeah. Hamlet with animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, huh. and again, yeah, hard to go wrong there. Hard to go wrong with Scar. He's great, but it's not as complex. And again, that tr- that one same trope, second fiddle. Now I want the power, and then he like you know makes it happen to to do that. That's sort of an atypical villainous sort of thing. Frollo is more more different, a yeah, more looks, different. It looks pretty sinister, man. He's got that he is, crazy face going on there. He is sinister. He needs to change his face. So right on, yeah, a Disney movie, great choice, sir. I feel like I need to rewatch The Hunchback of Notre Dame so I can yeah. go. Qua, or what does he say when he rings the bell? Say <laughs> sanctuary. sanctuary sanctuary i was gonna That's say freedom. Freedom. <laughs> i mean yeah Go, you, yeah, you should yeah. definitely give it a rewatch just be, you know it's one of those disney movies that doesn't get talked about very much yeah. so i just want i just wanted to start with a change-up right away right out the gate start with a change-up cool mm. i dig it I, I like it a lot um all right well yeah so i'm gonna piggyback off of tom and i will start with the joker i am a diehard batman fan i think everyone knows that but uh he it's he's iconic he's classic he's one of the greatest villains of all time not just in movies because clear i mean obviously you know batman started as a comic book but the joker is just one of those characters with a deep psyche that that matches batman uh the duality between the two characters is incredible and i think that's why you know it's so it was so great in the dark knight when he's like you complete me because he's accurate you know <laughs> And, uh, and 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 everyone has their Joker, just like they have uh, their, their favorite Batman. But, uh, you know, my selection and this is just my opinion is uh, Christian Bale is my Batman and Heath Ledger as my Joker. Um, I love, love, love the animated series. So I love Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. But uh, when I saw Heath Ledger, Ledger's Joker, I got terrified. I remember I saw that movie with Tom. Eric, you might have been there, but I know Mike was with us and mm-hmm. maybe Tyler. But we saw it in theaters and I just remember I was sitting next to Tom. And when that part when he's like, he's like, look at me, I got terrified. I, I was I had like chills. And both I just Tom got and I, chills from you doing it. Yeah, Tom I, and I, I, go I ahead, was Eric. with you that I was with you that night. OK, that's and what I that thought was. No, we were all blown away because I remember we were talking about it. We all used to work together, yeah. you know, a bunch of years back that I remember I was talking about it like, really? The 10 things I hate about you, kid? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, he uh, he knocked it out of the park. And, and you know, even if a lot of people there was a lot of discourse about, oh, well, he only won the Oscar because he, you know, he died. And I'm like, that is pretty fucking stupid. I mean, that was quite a performance. It was one of the the darkest and weirdest performances I've seen in a long time. And I mean, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, it, it was it was incredibly iconic. 
um, you know, one of the greatest movie villains of all villains of all time. And, and he just he nailed it. So I was very happy. Now, I really like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker a lot. It's a different mm-hmm. take, but I just love Joaquin Phoenix in general. Um, that movie is very hard to watch, but that's the idea is the Joker is just a hard character to watch. You can't root for him. You know, you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, right. I, I want to just I, just really quick. Yeah, he's not it, it, almost like with <laughs> with Joaquin Phoenix's version almost tried to make him an anti-hero right but he's not he's not an anti-hero joker's a villain yeah he's a bad guy like he's messed up okay now there's different flavors of joker of how messed up and as you talked about uh, as tom talked about he likes his joker a little more you know jokey and <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah they tried to go the anti-hero route there um but it was still a great movie like you said brutal. yeah Absolutely. Joker just sort of he just sort of that villain transcends media, really. He's yeah. just that impactful. Absolutely. Thomas, you want to give us your second one? Yes, I believe I will give you my second one. My next one is a Morton Joe Ooh. from Mad Max Fury Road. Witness me. <laughs> <laughs> so th- it it pretty much is what I picture the apocalypse would be like is everyone that rules is just kind of an old, just dying man who kind of has power just because like he is not a threatening specimen. He is dying. He has a rebreather that's keeping him alive. And it's just like, this would normally just be a sad old man, (laughs) but somehow he runs and has like, he has a church devoted to him and it's crazy because he's so badass even though he looks so frail and gross oh but his rebreather it's like if bane was dialed up to an 11 it's just <laughs> badass looking he's got an awesome monster truck with huge wheels and he is just a badass. And my little fact is the actor who plays a Morton Joe also played the villain in the first Mad Max uh, toe cutter. So that's my little really? fact about. Yeah. Yep. yep. Reprises. He was like, yeah, I'll come back. I'll be a, mm-hmm. another weirdo. <laughs> that's dope. I love that. Uh, As a fan, I love I love that kind of stuff. Don't you? Oh, mm-hmm. that continuity. Yeah, fan. Yes, that's, that is that is fan service to completion right there. Oh, and it's just such a cool world, Mad Max is. It just gets weirder and weirder with every movie. Like, oh, they're just so good. Oh, they're so delicious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road is actually one of my all-time favorite action films. And uh, I'm a big, you know, talking about AMC earlier. I love the movie theaters, but um, during quarantine, I definitely have appreciated my movies at home a lot more because... We live in a digital world, guys, and uh, one of my pet peeves is when I go to a movie theater and someone is on their phone or they're talking or they're not being respectful. So unfortunately, that is why I I don't like to go out to movies as much. If I do, it's usually the reserve cinemas, which are like 21 and over, or I try to go to earlier showings that don't have many people um, because I really do love watching a giant movie on a big screen. And uh, I saw Mad Max Fury Road in IMAX, not really knowing much about it. And I was absolutely blown away. I mean, I, it was nonstop action. I felt like I could not take a, a breath because it was just nonstop action and uh, absolutely love it. So a Morton Joe is a good choice, yeah. Tom. 
I saw it in theaters three times. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's great That's each time. People just kept wanting to see it. They were like, I haven't seen it. You want to go see it again? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> quick, quick quick aside, have you seen the Rick and Morty version of the Mad Max? Like, yeah, okay. yeah. It was the season opener to season three, I believe. Yeah, I think, I think so. So yeah. funny. Yeah, he okay. like... Yeah, he's all buff, and then he has like a old man, or not an old man face. He has a mustache. That's all I remember. Blonde yeah. hair and another, a mustache. Another fun fact: never seen an episode of Rick and Morty. Just haven't gotten around to it. Tom. That, by the way, was Joel McHale. He was the was, voice of that. Oh, guy. that makes sense. That's funny. That was Joel McHale. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Um, cool. Well, Eric, what about you? What's your second choice? Yeah, well, you know, again, kind of sticking with the theme of uh, sort of a relatable. I was looking for. I wanted to kind of consider monsters, you know, but like a real life of monster. You know what I mean? Somebody who you talked a little bit of how Joker is sort of a foil to Batman and that's why he's so effective. And you sort of, there's a relatability there, you know, when you, that, that interview scene when they were um, in the police station in the dark night, right? Mm-hmm. That five minute scene is just one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. I mean, it's intense. It's intoxicating. I can't, I go back and see it all the time because even though Joker's talking crazy nonsense, you kind of get where he's coming from, right? The, the, like you, you sort of make a connection there. So I was looking for a sort of a real world, sort of a monster that you kind of understand who they are. I'm going with the Harry Potter franchise and I'm yeah. not going to go, I'm not going to go with Voldemort. I'm going to go what? with the real, the real scary villain. I'm going with Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Very good choice. <laughs> Dolores Umbridge. That woman is terrifying. Because she's she's real. That person is that person who sort of gravitates towards authority because they need authority to feel like they're something in this world, you know, who, again, talking ends justifying the means that I will have order kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where if you (laughs) the denial of reality, talk about topicality in our world today. This, the denial of reality to the point that they are they will they will deny it so strenuously that they can use that denial to justify heinous acts against somebody else like the torture of Harry in the in the detention where he's etching I will not tell lies and it shows up in his skin that's torture right yeah yeah how could you justify such a thing well in her sick mind I mean the weird connection she gets from point A to point Z, there's sort of a logical insanity. It kind of fits like, you know, and you see people like that. They gravitate towards positions of authority, uh, be it law enforcement or uh, academia or in business. And that that's why Dolores Umbridge is such a identifiable villain. Cause you, you know, you probably have come across somebody like that in your real life. Voldemort's the over the top, archetype of a villain okay Vatican yeah <laughs> <laughs> and Raphael's I mean oh my god he crushed it he was so great so good but she was terrifying she was really ter- Bellatrix was strange of course again but over the top for me it's because Umbridge was so relatable and she's so real she's not a fictional villain that person is real that's why she's terrifying to me yeah, and I mean that was one of the best uh, movie. So in the book, obviously, you know she's she's absolutely terrifying for the three or four books she's in. But then you are because she she's 
Order of the Phoenix is when you're introduced to her. But um, throughout the film series, you know, you're like, oh, who's going to play her in, in, in the live adaptation? And Imelda Staunton was perfectly cast. I mean, she did such an amazing job of yeah. that smile where you're like, I fucking hate you. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, sick, yeah. that sickly warm smile. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the friendly sort of kitten. Yeah. The little laugh. That oh, <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're, that's a great choice. And I if I was thinking about that, too, because I was going to put Voldemort, but I'm like, eh, but then that's a toss up between her and Umbridge. So, yeah. Great and again, choice. Again, thank you. And again, hat tip to Bellatrix Lestrange and the wonderful, perfect actress who played her. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, Tim Burton's wife, actually. Hel- Helena Bonham Carter. That's they are right. married. Yeah, she is a uh, fan freaking tastic. So, well, fantastic. I like it. Uh, so for mine, um, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and actually, I need to rewatch it because it's been a while. When I first saw this film uh, back in 2007, I did not know much about it. Uh, let's say 2008. I did not know much about it other than uh, it was up for Best Picture. And it's it was directed by two of my favorite directors of all time, the Coen brothers. But uh, this is a movie about a cat and mouse game between a man who isn't quite good and a man who is just pure evil. But uh, I'm talking Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men, played by Javier Bardem. So nice choice. Nice choice. No Country for Old Men. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. No Country for Old Men came out in 2007. And uh, I mean, he just captivated the screen. Uh, And if anybody doesn't know who Anton Sugar is, I highly implore you to watch No Country for Old Men. But if not, just YouTube uh, coin flip or No Country for Old Men coin flip. (laughs) and, And you will see the most chilling conversation between a gas station attendant, a little old man and a deadly weird bowl cut haired killer. And it is so uneasy. Um, it is the dialogue is incredibly sharp and, and the Coens are just so fantastic at all of that, but it is incredibly sharp. It's actually a Cormac McCarthy book, but they adapted it very, very well. Um, Mm. so I absolutely love it. And, and, and Bardem, I think he won an Oscar for that role, but, uh, Yes, I think he did, actually. And he was uh, just phenomenal. So, um, yeah, Anton Sugar. You guys have seen it, right? Yeah. Yes, I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> he's, he's chilling. He's exactly what you, yeah. He's everything you said and more. He's ridiculous. Yeah, Ugh. okay, it did. So it won Best Writing, Adapted Screenplay, uh, Best Directors, the Coen Brothers, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting yeah, Role, Javier Bardem, and Best Picture. So there we go. So it was a really you popular. The, you kind of give the Coen Brothers a lot of credit. I mean, they've just, the work they've put out is incredible, and they just have a way of making the dialogue feel so real, you know? And even when it's so sinister, like with this guy, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it's so, the kind of, goes back to my theme it feels so real that's why it's identifiable and he's you know a guy like that exists you know yeah you've seen you've seen videos of hitmen and guys like that you know the Iceman, uh mm. famous hitman just like this guy well and and mccarthy wrote him as a character who was the impending violence the impending escalating violence that was the 80s um because the movie takes place in the 80s so does the book Mm -hmm. but uh hence the title you know no country for old men where it's just become too violent and without getting into it too much like ed tom uh tommy jones's character portrays the the uh titular old man and um 
it's uh it's just a phenomenal role it's a phenomenal part and yes i love the cohen brothers we actually just did our 100th episode of the don't be crazy podcast on the big lebowski it is one of my favorite movies of all time and uh, the cohen's are just out of this world good i mean fargo inside lewin davis raising arizona i can go on and on and on and on yeah. but as yeah. a matter of fact i recently became a dudist as tom will tell you <laughs> i know i heard I that, that was up. really cool <laughs> You know, that's just like your opinion, man. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, that, was, that was great. So yeah, no, I I heard that and I I was like, that is perfect. I can see Eric being the dude. So I have been I have been a Walter for most of my life, but I've been trying to make the transition more to the dude. That's my life. That's my story arc. Over the line. Yeah, so. <laughs> you've seen me. Yeah, oh, that's my, my story God. arc, my brothers. That's my story arc. Oh my God, that's so cool. Um, okay, well, Thomas, give us your third. Okay, I'm going to start with a couple facts here. And these are actually, uh, these facts are more about the hero of the story, but I found them funny looking them up. Uh, This was first, uh, it had to be offered to Frank Sinatra because he starred in the original. Apparently, this movie that I'm going to be talking about was a sequel. He turned it down because he was 76 at the time, (laughs) but he had to be. He had dibs on it because he was in the original. Um, and then other people who turned down this role were Sly Stallone, Harrison Ford, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, Richard Gere, Don Johnson, Burt Reynolds, and Richard Dean Anderson, a.k.a. MacGyver. All of them turned down the role of John McClane. Really? Now, I'm not talking about John McClane here. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but, but it's just crazy that that list of people did said, nah, we're good. Instead, they were like, let's go with that guy from Moonlighters. That's right. Is it? Yeah. Moonlighters. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Bruce Willis took mm. the role as the like 11th option. But we're here to talk about Hans Gruber. Yeah, we are. Hmm. Alan Rickman is one of the greatest actors. Alan. He is good in everything, whether he's, you know, being the voice of God, Hans Gruber, Snape. He's crazy good. And Hans Gruber has a plan. It's a beautiful plan where he's going to, you know, take over this building. He's going to tell the FBI that it's because he wants to have some, uh, like, terrorists freed. But that's not the real plan, guys. We're going to steal some money. And this plan would have gone down flawlessly if it wasn't. For John McClane. (laughs) He ruined Hans Gruber's day. I think Hans Gruber should have won. (laughs) And this John McClane guy, he is not my hero. (laughs) It's a a weird turn that I took throughout this because this is not what I thought going in. But all of a sudden, I'm Hans Gruber all the way. The man had a beautiful plan and it was ruined by an out-of-towner. Man, oh, that's all I have to say. I have oh. Tom, you crushed it because I, I was thinking Hans Gruber. <laughs> I was thinking about going with him, but he didn't really fit my theme. But man, <laughs> what an icon! And Al- Alan Rickman. Yeah. Oh. And also, also, I believe this was Alan Rickman's first movie because he was like a stage actor it was. for the beginning of his career, oh and God. then and then he just blew it out of the park first time out. He's like, "Yeah, I can do this movie stuff. No big deal." Yeah, with a voice like that, you got to expect he came out of theater at some point. He's just, he was just an icon. He's so great. Oh, 
Yeah. RIP. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind that choice, Tom. I mean, I really like Hans Gruber, but I'm I'm just thinking like that's I, I know it's your opinion, but like that's uh-huh. in your top five. <laughs> I just that is in my top five. I mean, I don't know. It's I only watch Die Hard during Christmas time. Of and course. So, and so Christmas for, movie for, of all time. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I'm kind of like, eh. And he's he's a good bad guy, but it's because Die Hard is just such an iconic film that you know him. I just I, I wouldn't put him in my top. 10 even but i don't know that's just that's just my opinion i think he's just so basic he doesn't terrify me um i mean john mcclain sees right through him he's like well you think i'm fucking stupid you know he gives him the gun with no bullets and (laughs) i I don't know well i'm not gonna argue with you no no, you're right you're right that's a great choice that's a great choice (laughs) you're right you're right i am right you're right (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i came on tonight Oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Eric, what's your what's your next choice? Well, you know, I, I kind of like how Tom was sort of hinting at there. Well, you know, he sort of found himself a little bit rooting for the bad guy. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful that you led me into this because I have a guy who's a lot like that. Colonel Miles Corridge from Avatar. Ooh, I like yeah, it. Yeah, Stephen Lang. Yeah, yeah Stephen Lang underrated he's he's incredible love me colonel Korich, there's something sort of charming about the guy the way he his sort of folksy way of talking but his also black and white fall in line or you're gonna die <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. attitude it's it's <clears throat> if you served uh or if you know somebody who served or if you have any kind of connection to you know that sort of background like you understand that sort of sh- little bit of chauvinism, a little bit of, you know, hard ass, little edge, that kind of, you, you get where that comes from and you get how it's of necessity. It's, it's life or death, right? Mm-hmm. On Pandora, it's life or death. You, you move outside the tree line. You, you, you don't follow the rules. You die. Um, and he had this sort of relatable way where he was looking after his people, but he's trying to just kind of do his job. Right. And that's going back to ends justifying the means. He was just following orders. He was just kind of doing his job. And that sort of those words, that kind of thinking has justified a lot of atrocities in real life. Right. 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 And and this is something you saw in the movie, which is, I mean, is is visually stunning as it is and is interesting and all that. It's dances with wolves, aliens. that's what it is (laughs) like i've seen dance with wolves i get it uh but i didn't root for you know i didn't find myself rooting for the cavalry and dance with wolves i did however find myself kind of siding with courage a little bit not morally because he was a jerk like he was wrong he was wrong it was a it was an atrocity he's wrong i just kind of dug him as a character he's just an interesting villain uh sort of obsessive in following his orders a little bit. I don't know what it is about him that I just like, I kind of, I get, I get him, you know, he's, he's so relatable. I just, I get him. So that's why he's on my list. Good choice. Yeah. When he, uh, when he goes into that mech suit and he pulls up the knife and he's fighting him, I'm like, Whoa, dude, this guy's crazy. And he, he's, he's almost like a terminator in a certain sense where he just doesn't stop. You're like, he should be dead already. Yeah. You know, he's he's over the top, but he's like a real life over the top. <laughs> he's like a guy who's seen 
way too many John Wayne and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, who uh, Clint Eastwood. He's seen way yeah. too many of those flicks, you know, from way back when. So The Duke. Yeah. Yeah. So, Courage, Colonel Courage, Avatar. I actually think Avatar is an overrated film, um, but I, I really did like um, I really did like uh, Stephen Lang quite a bit. And I think he, he knocked it out of the park. So I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, I've never understood the Avatar thing. Like I, I saw it and I was like, OK, this well, is a movie. Uh, well, let me ask you this then, because and this is a quick, quick aside. Yeah. Are you reacting to it a little bit like the Nickelback thing where there was just so overhyped? It's not, you know. People say it forever. Oh, Nickelback suck, blah, blah, blah. They didn't suck. They were just way overplayed for how good they were. <laughs> yeah. um, so there was so much pushback against that. And is that kind of the same thing here where Avatar was just like, it was everywhere. Oh, it was everywhere. Oh, it was just, it was just Avatar. The whole world was just Avatar. And it's like, yeah, this is Dancing with the Wolves with Aliens. <laughs> I mean, at the, at the time that I saw it, I was like, okay, that's a movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I saw, I know I saw it in theaters in 3D, and I was like, "All right, this is 3D." Like I've I've never been a fan of 3D. Like yeah. even if you do 3D well, it's still not great for me. <laughs> I just don't like how it is. <laughs> why I, are we I, doing yeah. it? I, I get that. If I want to see 3D, why don't I go to a play? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh wow i was not yeah. ready for that existential yeah. commentary yeah, yeah. Wow. that's right um yeah i mean i i was you know i i loved it when i first saw it i saw it twice in theaters and i was all about 3d and stuff but then i grew up and i'm like i don't like this very much actually and i, I thought it was repetitive and i thought it was poorly poorly acted but uh the visuals were cool so i'll, I'll give them that you know it's still like the highest grossing film of all time because they reopened in china recently so they could get more get more yeah. money Gotta get well, Avengers. Talk, yeah, we could talk. We could talk shit about it all we want to. I mean, it's it sold sold really well, and it is visually beautiful. And yeah, some some of the acting was really good, and you know, some of the characters were interesting. But you sure. know, again, I've seen Dance with the Bulls. That movie was already made. So <laughs> yeah, with Kevin Costner. So. Um, cool. Okay. Well, so mine, I'm going to uh, switch to one of my favorite genres, actually, arguably my favorite genre, but all I'm going to go is <laughs> hopefully I'm doing it right, but <laughs> I am. Um, so Jason Voorhees, uh, Friday the 13th, the series is absolutely incredible. And actually Jason didn't make his first appearance. Well, I mean, technically he made his uh, first appearance in, at the, uh, very at the very end in, in the first one in 1980, but, uh, it wasn't until, um, Friday the 13th part two that he actually showed up. And that was in 1981. Uh, he wore a bag on his head, a burlap sack with one hole. We did not get the um, iconic uh, hockey mask until part three, actually. And that was in 1982, the following year. So, um, and then followed up by uh, the final chapter in 1984. Uh, so the first four Friday the 13th are amazing, but uh, Jason Voorhees is one of those iconic horror film characters that you could put a hockey mask on anybody and wield a machete and you're like, Oh, Jason. Right. So, uh, he is just an unstoppable Terminator like killing force. And, uh, you know, the Terminator is a good villain, but I think Jason Voorhees is, he, he destroy the Terminator. I'm sorry. He just would. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to argue, but I mean, every Halloween or every October, I should say, I just put Friday the 13th on the entire, like 
first 10 movies and I, I i let them play on like replay in the background they are so phenomenal and i absolutely love them even though they're cheesy as shit but yeah jason Voorhees, that is my choice uh everyone knows that jason x is the best one no when jason goes to space no jason takes um, manhattan it that's is, the best one it is uh come on i mean <laughs> what, about what about freddy versus jason what about i fucking, I fucking well, love I, that I movie love i just yeah, i just watched great. it the other day i used to watch okay. it before bedtime and like i don't know why in high school i watched it before bedtime because i I'm an idiot, and yeah, but uh, I like a good bad guy versus bad guy story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, me too. I like that guy on guy action. Yeah, Pride Month, oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It is illegal um, to be straight. Oh yeah. So, um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, he he just he just some of the craziest kills, and they just keep getting bigger and better, and just absolutely. He's 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 a freaking gorilla. This guy just destroys people. So it's uh pretty crazy freddy is great with his his you know nightmare kills and just the outlandish kills but jason just absolutely destroys people so yeah he's a, a, a you know he's a he exists he's a guy who you know he's in he's out in the world somewhere he's not some he's gonna get you in your dreams metaphysical kind of situation like jason or you know like freddy he's he's just gonna walk in your house and cut you in half mm-hmm he made summer camps very scary. I mean, any I'm a big outdoorsman, and when I go camping, I still, in the back of my mind, am slightly worried about a machete-wielding hockey mask killer. So, we'll just put it that way. But I'm more worried about bears. I don't know. Bears, <laughs> wear, I guess. Yeah. Nah, you don't you, worry you, about you have to worry about bears around here. Black bears, but they're they're scared of people. So If they wear hockey masks and wield machetes, I'll be afraid of them. Ooh, now we're talking. I would take a picture first, because that'd be awesome. So, <laughs> Thomas, ready for number four? Um, I am ready for number four, and you don't know it, but you had, like started talking trash already before I even started. <laughs> oh, I know who you're going to pick then. Go ahead. <laughs> Because mine is the Terminator. Oh, there you go. Good choice. He he is a literal killing machine. Yeah. He Hey-o. is designed to kill you. And he's not going to stop until he does that. Or he gets crushed by a compactor. One or the other. But it's a terrifying thing to just have something hunting you nonstop that doesn't have to sleep. It's coming for you. And it's jacked. Because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they did a great thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in the first Terminator, which is they gave him very few lines because he can be menacing, but he wasn't a good actor yet. He had other roles around that time that were a little dodgy, <laughs> like Hercules in New York, I believe it was. Yep. That's a rough movie. <laughs> Don't give him so many lines. And they did it perfectly, just giving him one liners, which became kind of his career. <laughs> Um, he's a much better actor now. Yeah, yes. Um, it, it, just to see some of his acting, uh, just watch the movie Junior. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you oh, know, great like, actor. You know, consider his counterpart. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Just um, so yeah. So I don't like the fact that you said that Jason could. I'm trying to think if Jason, because Jason really doesn't die. The Terminator doesn't stop until you're dead. So I feel like it's a battle forever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he, he's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird hypothetical. Did we just come up with a new think. crossover 
We just came up with a new crossover. Okay, awesome. I mean, the so I love, I absolutely love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and um, yeah. T two T two is actually in my top three so greatest good. action films of all time. It actually be, might be my number one, honestly. But uh, but you know, I I love the Terminator, but everything after T three was mm. dog shit. Yeah, and. Yeah, so it's hard if we're comparing apples to apples, you know, all the Friday the 13th movies, some of them aren't very good, but they're still incredibly entertaining. I can't say that about any of the Terminator films. So if we're using that, you know, that merit, then um, I would say Jason is stronger. But uh, yeah, you're right. Terminator is a (laughs) killing machine who will not stop until he executes uh, his target. So that is a good choice, Tom. I like it a lot. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, Eric, what is your fourth? Well, speaking of dedicated villains who have a job to do and won't stop until they've accomplished their job, it's interesting. You went with a guy who his dialogue, he didn't say a whole lot. I got a guy who never shut up. <laughs> Hans Landa in Glorious Bastards. Fuck yeah. There you go. I love Hans Landa. He is It's just an incredibly weird. Like you, It's hard to nail down because you don't really know he gives depending on the interviews or whoever he's engaging with he sort of gives you a different face he pulls out that huge pipe and he doesn't even like smoke a pipe right if you've seen the interviews from behind the scenes like they had agreed like he doesn't even smoke a pipe right he just knows that the, that the guy the french man he smokes a pipe so he brings one of his own in his coat and it's just huge and ornate right like yeah he doesn't smoke a pipe he's just this weird detective who they, you know, he has that name, the Jew hunter, and he sort of he acts like in one scene that he's super proud of it. And then later in the movie, he's like, oh, I'm actually kind of ashamed of that. It's like I'm more than that. You know, so you, you don't really know exactly who he is, but, you know, a couple of things. One, the ends justify the means. Again, we go back to that. And two, much like a lot of these other villains that I've talked about, he believes himself to be a hero of his own story. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so in that respect he is kind of he's again somewhat relatable like you kind of get but he's too he's he's a little bit different he's too weird to be super relatable you've never met a guy like hans hans landa he's just nope but it's just the way he's portrayed the, Woo, that's a bingo is that's a bingo ah <laughs> <laughs> i love that movie i i thought I'm, I'm i'm a history nerd i like i like stories that are closer to what actually happened. And this is sort of historical fiction and heavy emphasis on the fiction. I don't care. It's Tarantino. He can do whatever he wants. It's fun. That's what it's meant to be. It's a fun story. And if you got to have a bad guy where Hans Landa isn't even the biggest bad guy in his own circle in his world, that would be Hitler and Goering and Goebbels and all those other guys. But for the purposes of the story, he's, he's hunting the bastards he is, he's an ever presence. He's hunting old girl. He's an ever, he, he had killed her whole family. He is a clinically uh, thorough detective. He is a hunter who will not stop until he gets what he's after. Uh, he's sinister. He's just diabolical. And I just think he's one of the greatest villains, uh, certainly of modern cinema history. I, I love Hans Landa. I will piggyback off of that because he is also on my list. Um, I absolutely was enamored watching Christoph Waltz's performance. It's the first thing that I'd ever seen him in. And I'm a a very big Tarantino fan. 
So for me, I love watching his revisionist history. And um, the idea of Landa, when you first see him on the screen, it's in the first shot, right? With the French farmer. Um, He just commands the screen presence. And the entire time, he he knows what's going on. He he he's a villain that you can't pull a fast one on, or so you think, because he is calculated and he just he always has the upper hand and he just knows. And that is, I think, the most terrifying thing is if you talk with him, his facial expressions can change from a smile to a very um, subtle, straight face, and uh, you're like, "Holy shit, this guy's gonna kill me!" So like when he kill when he strangles uh, Dan Kruger's character, I always forget her name, but uh, I wasn't expecting that, you know. And so mm. he's just one of those those people that always knows no matter what, and he can t- he can sniff out liars left and right. But yeah, Christoph Waltz was incredible. He won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role in this. Uh, absolutely enjoyed him a lot. So yes, Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards of two thousand and nine. Great choice, Eric. I got nothing else Thank to you. add to that. Hey, great he choice for my, you too, Zach. Oh, yeah. He was my number six. He was the last name I took off my list. This is okay. a top five list, not a top six list, Tom. I know. Might, I it might know. be your other podcast you do. Is, is, yeah, as a matter of fact, what, there is no number six, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom. That number doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Okay. Because 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 right. six comes after five, Tom, and we're not doing that. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Tom, what is your fifth one? So my fifth one is actually on most things that I have a username for. I use this on all my like gaming platforms besides Xbox um, because I think Squidward. I made my Xbox before I had seen this. Yes, Squidward. Squidward's a hero. Let's stop that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, but my last one is uh, Kaiser Soze. Okay. Ooh. Which Good Kaiser job. Soze is just kind of a phantom. He, He's the boogeyman that criminals tell each other about. And this guy doesn't exist, but he is terrifying. He is one of the worst people from all the stories that you hear where he, his wife and children are like the, there's another gang that's threatening to kill them. And instead he kills them. Cause if anyone's going to kill him, it's going to be Kaiser Soze. Um, this was the first movie where the ending just shocked me where you're, you have the cop who just let the cripple guy go. This guy's a little nothing. And you see him walking with his limp down the road. And then you're looking at the pegboard and you're noticing the story that he just told him. Everything on the pegboard connects to it. And then you see that limp slowly go away and that moment broke my brain because at no point did I even think that Verbal Kent could be the bad guy. He's the saddest little character who just seems like his friends just let him tag along on these little things with them. And yeah, he is just, he is the mastermind who just vanishes into thin air once he's done. Oh, he's so good. Iconic scene. I mean, that's just like you said it best. I mean, it's just the subversion of expectations. And I think sometimes a lot of the time when you're coming up with the character creation and you're, you're coming up with these stories, you do want to need to subvert expectations a little bit. Some people try to kind of go over the top because they're really trying to recreate 
that feeling, that scene. And that's not, that doesn't happen. That doesn't, that's not, that Kaiser Soze revealed is not something that occurs every day. You got to really earn that. That So Kaiser Soze is a great pick, man. Yeah. I, I mean, was, he, it was a, one of the biggest twists in movie history. Yeah. He was my number five B. <laughs> oh, we can throw in letters. <laughs> That's where five letters B's. Okay. From. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I forgot that the letter system works. <laughs> I don't like any of that. <laughs> well, I'll give I'll give you Kaiser Soze. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. All right, Eric, what is your fifth? Yeah, like it's you know, <laughs> I, I'm shifting gears here from my monster list for into a, a real human monster, someone who's really truly terrifying. Um, Someone who's sort of so disconnected from their humanity, but they do walk among us, that sociopath, you know, that's that person. They, they even mimic empathy, you know, so they can fit in. I thought about Annie Wilkes from Misery was a good option. Uh, Alex Forrest from Fatal Attraction. But uh, I didn't just want basic obsession or sick obsession. I wanted really to finish off the list. Over the top, evil. I went with Hannibal Lecter. Very good choice. Hannibal Lecter. First of all, he's smarter than you. Okay? The man is a genius. He is brilliant. And he that makes him the perfect predator. Nobody expects him because he's sort of genteel. You know, he's ur- he's urbane. He's sophisticated. He's a, a, a man of letters. He's intelligent. He's, he's not... He would never expect somebody connected like that and brilliant like that to have a really sick, dark, twisted other life like cannibalism. Nobody would nobody who could connect those dots, right? So Hannibal, like he's not one. <laughs> he's not a relatable villain. Like I was going with my others, where you know Frollo, Onbridge, Corage, Landa. You kind of get where they're coming from. Lecter is the guy who just scares the ever living shit out of you. Because you know they exist, you just and you know you, there's plenty of the odds. It's quite possible that you have come across a sociopath in your life, like a true, honest to goodness sociopath. Some some judge it one in twenty five is is a true sociopath. You know, not necessarily to to his you know cannibalism, but somebody who's so disconnected from humanity were. Anything's on the table, maybe even you. <laughs> yeah, I, the first time I saw Silence of the Lambs, I was mortified. I was just like, "This is real. People are like this out there." And uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, it's so interesting because Anthony Hopkins won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, and he was only in Silence of the, the, the Silence of the Lambs per, for about fifteen minutes. He does not have a lot of screen time, and he still was captivating. Um, Yes, Sir Anthony Hopkins is incredible. Uh, that is a very great choice, and it's it's super hard to argue against that. I, I would never argue against that. Well, thank you, Zach. What about you, sir? Yeah. Oh, thanks. That, that's yeah. I don't know if Tom wanted ahead, to Zach. add. Any, I didn't know if no. he wanted to add anything, Tom. I agree oh. with all of that. Oh. <laughs> 
Very astute observation, Tom. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I will round it out finally, and um, I'm going to take a flyer here. Actually, let me pull my list up because I just totally forgot. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take a flyer here. No one would ever predict this one. The year is 1977, and the greatest sci-fi movie of all time came out. That is uh, Star Wars. So Darth Vader is my fifth. And, okay, uh, no, stop. No, it really is Darth Vader. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the reason, so I, this is this is my other choice this is my honorable mention uh agent smith from the matrix and uh because i think the matrix was one of those life-changing films for me that i was like holy shit and i questioned my existence i questioned what was real what was not um quantum mechanics of the world and agent smith was that that agent of chaos that thing that was set to just disrupt our worlds from being perfect um and who doesn't love them mr anderson but um I mean, how can you how can we talk about a villain list and not talk about one of the most iconic villains of all time? The, you know, just the breathing, like just hearing the breathing. And yeah, and 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 I think the coolest thing about Darth Vader was we didn't see him fight very much in the films, but it's because just like uh, an inverse John Wick, his reputation was the scariest thing about him. And. Everyone in the world was like, oh, my God, it's Darth Vader. Holy shit, we got to we got to get out of here. And I think uh, for what it's worth in Rogue One. Yeah, I, I didn't really like Rogue One that much until the final like five minutes, which has Darth Vader just ruling ass. And you yeah. finally get to see him <laughs> just completely destroy everyone. And it is unbelievable because as soon as you hear the and then you just oh, yeah. see a red lightsaber light up. You you flip your shit, and and he just kills everyone. It is so cool, and he is like the space terminator, basically. Yeah, we yeah. Wait, we've been waiting for that scene since we were kids, right? Yeah, we, yeah. Just like you said, everybody they react to Darth Vader. Like it's not just his looks. He's the guy in the suit, and he's tall, and he's huge, and he's you know wicked. He did something to earn that fear, right? In the past, what did he do? Now, we know about if we know the backstory of Star Wars, obviously, and everything, you know, hunting down the Jedi and all that. But you really get to see it in the full, in the flesh, as it not were, because he's in a suit, <laughs> in Rogue One, where he, he, you said it best. I mean, as soon as that you hear the breathing, it's a geek gasm. It's fan service to completion. It's just ridiculous. It's over the top, but beautiful. It, and that's that moment that called for over the top violence. You know, we needed it at that moment. So yeah. it actually fit. It, it fit the story. It wasn't there for the for the sake of over the top violence, like a lot of other villains in movies. That actually served the purpose of, of of for the character and for the overall story. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, he he's just iconic. Everyone in the world knows Darth Vader. It's. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's. You can't have a villain list without putting him on here. So I just. I, 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 yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah I get. I, I'll, I'll give you a pass for that because we were joking around it before we hit record. Like, oh, I'm not going to include Darth Vader. Oh, that's too well. subverging expectations. We were like, no, come on, you can't. You're right. You can't include a list of villains without saying Darth Vader at least once. Absolutely. But um, cool. All right. Uh, let, let's go through really quick and um, just a brief, maybe thirty second pitch for it. Thomas, what is your honorable mention? Um, what is my honorable mention? Um, I actually was going to add a lot of people that you guys put Hans Landa is, was my number B six 22. What? I don't know if I'm going by numbers or letters here. Um, what, (laughs) uh, Anton was also going to be on my list. 
um, because that that gas station scene is just a terrifying, terrifying scene. Um, so those two, I think, were the next two on my lists. Oh, really? Do you have any other ones? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> Eric, what's your what's your honorable mention? Well, I, I I've already mentioned a little bit. Annie Wilkes from Misery and Alex yeah. Forrest from, from Fatal Attraction. Uh, wonderfully played by wonderful actresses. It's just it's just beautiful. You know, I thought about them. Also thought about Eamon Gareth from uh, uh, Schindler's List, uh, played by Ralph Yens oh, yeah. again. Uh, just sinister, over the top, evil. But he was sort of a you know he was a real person. So uh, I I really I was also really close to mentioning Michael Corleone because yeah. even though he is the protagonist, come on, he's a villain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a villain. He's not even the good anti- guy can be a bad guy. <laughs> he's not an antihero. He's a villain. Yeah, he's no, a he is, bad dude. He is a bad dude. Good choices. Yeah, and the mind was just Agent Smith from The Matrix. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just hard, hard to beat the Matrix. It's amazing. So and I guess we never mentioned Norman Bates, and I guess we're all eh. wrong for that too. Me, eh. I don't know. Eh. I, I was never a huge, huge fan of Psycho. It is one of Hitchcock's best, so I, I will say that. And if I had seen that movie when it came out, I would have lost my shit. So um, yeah. But that is, I mean, it's still it's hard to argue. Is is very iconic. So. Um, okay, well, to reiterate the lists or to uh, go over them again, I should say, Thomas has the Joker, E. Morton Joe, Hans Gruber, the Terminator, and Kaiser Soze. Eric has Judge Claude Frollo, uh, Dolores Umbridge, Colonel Miles Cort- Corich, uh, Hans Landa, and Hannibal Lecter. Zach has the Joker, Anton Sugar, Jason Voorhees, Hans Landa, and Darth Vader. Um, well, that was a lot of fun. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Mm. Um, I'm going to have some chicken wings tomorrow. Oh, boy. W- <laughs> will they be delicious? <laughs> they will be delicious. <laughs> you should stop uh, eating so much meat, man. Uh, no, I got, and I got to bring it up every episode. I got to make sure I tell you about meat every episode. I know. I know. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Eric? Anything to add? Yeah, uh, weather's warming up, so stay hydrated. Oh, my God. It is hot, hot, hot. I went on a run today, and I was sweating so much. Holy shit. So, yes, it is very hot. I am excited. I've been taking my paddleboard out, been going outside. So uh, if you do go outside, stay hydrated, but also put sunscreen on because ain't nobody want skin cancer. Get vaccinated and go to the movie theater and go see movies. and Yeah. Go make out with babes at the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And do it because you're vaccinated. See, so I like it. I get I get my cool little VIP card. I show everybody. But um, sweet. Well, yeah. Um, and then uh, if you are a movie fan, please check out my podcast, the Don't Be Crazy podcast. We just recorded our 101st episode, but uh, our 100th episode, The Big Lebowski is available along with 99 other amazing episodes. Please feel free to check that out on your favorite podcast streaming app. Alrighty, thank you for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at Tom Top 5, and Eric, what is your handle? Oh, E, oh, e-, e- Shane. Yeah, e underscore. E underscore Shane. Yeah, okay. Keep it simple. And E underscore Shane at uh, Twitter, on Twitter, where you can find all of us and you can give us your ideas, tell us if we're loco, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. 
Thank you, and remember, it's okay to be wrong, even though you think you're right. And to quote one last honorable mention, uh, Curly Bill from Tombstone, well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) I dig it. (laughs) 